Hey everybody, and welcome to episode four, I believe. Yeah, because we split Corey's into two parts. Okay, cool. Welcome to episode four of the Joyful Noise podcast. I am your host, Lizzie Griffin, and I am here with... And the brunch. Woohoo! You know, I have a confession for you, and it's not great. Okay. <laughs> I was, I've always questioned whether it's LeBranch or LeBranche, and I didn't want to say it wrong, so I just never did, you know? <laughs> Has that... I, I, uh, lots of people have trouble with my last name, but it's LeBranch. 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 Okay, good. Good. Okay. Because I didn't... So it's like mixed. It's not. It's not Lebranche, and it's not Lebranche. It's Lebranche. Lebranche. Like, perfect. Okay. Cool. And that's French. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Fantastic. Okay. So <laughs> we're having a bit of a crazy day. Um, we're having. I, I am having to evacuate my um, current living situation because we're getting a hurricane. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. Uh, this will be my first hurricane to experience. And what about you? I don't know. <laughs> I'm from southern Louisiana, so this is kind of uh, September as usual. Okay, yeah, so you're you're here for it. You know what you're doing, man, and I do not, so it's going to be a fun time. Um, yeah, so we're just, just everything's fine. We're going to be fine. Um, so before we get into it, uh, first of all, and I'm really thankful that you're here to talk to us about your life and um, your singer's story. Super excited about that because it's unique, and I mean everybody's is, but yours in particular, I think. And so, really excited to hear about that. I'm but excited to share it. Yes. yes, she guys, she came prepared with notes. <laughs> she put more prep into this than I have probably in any of my classes thus far. <laughs> for being perfectly honest, <laughs> am I proud? No, it's fine. Um, but before we do that, we're gonna do our little joyful segment. So Anne. On the Joyful Noise podcast, what is something that is making you joyful? Um, well, I'm really happy to be back in school yeah. and um, have contact with people again, <laughs> which is great. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I feel that. Um, I guess for me, the thing that's making me joyful this week, and oh my gosh, if anybody follows me on social media or has encountered me within the past week, I've probably talked to you about my fish. So I just on a whim decided like a week ago over Labor Day weekend, you know what? I probably need a fish in my life. And I didn't really, I I do make impulsive purchases, not going to lie. But I went home and my parents had an aquarium and all the equipment necessary and no fish living in it. So they're just like, you know what? Okay, I say it was my parents. It was actually my sister. Shout out to Glory, my (laughs) biggest cheerleader who always shares these podcasts and any other thing I post, like I appreciate her. Anyway, she was like, yeah, you can have this fish tank. Just give it back when you're done. I'm like, I can't know how long that's going to be. Anyway, so I set it up, and I went, and I bought a fish, and his name is Pippin, and he has just improved my quality of life so much. He can't speak, but if he could, he would say that he has improved my quality of life so much. He's over (laughs) there just flipping around and listening to us. He's so cute. Is he not cute? He's very cute. Thank you. You don't have a choice. You have to say he's cute, though. <laughs> kind of like, is it my little puddin' pop? Just the cute... Yeah, yes, ma'am. He is so sweet. How many months old is he? Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, that's... <laughs> that's enough yakking, but yeah, let's let's get into it. So, okay. what's your singer story? Well, um, I had a hard time figuring out where to start, so I'm just going to start at the very beginning, which was when I was a baby, and I was talking um, <laughs> to my mom trying to figure out, like, what are the high points of my life as a singer and as a person, and 
she pointed out that when I was a baby, I um, sang before I spoke. Really? Which is interesting, um, for reasons that I will tell you later. But, um, yeah, I wasn't picking up a lot of spoken language as a baby, and it wasn't until she started singing to me that I started to, like, broaden my vocabulary and begin speaking. Wow. So I was basically taught how to speak through singing. Really? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So singing was something I, like, always liked to do ever since that was a capability I had. Um, and, uh, she noticed that, my mom and my dad, and they enrolled me in sort of, it was, it was weird, it was music lessons that were, like, part private lesson, but also part, like, group voice when I was seven-ish years old. How does group voice lessons work? (laughs) That seems odd to me. Um, it was, like, ensemble stuff, so, like, ensemble, like classic musical theater stuff and it was a bunch of other kids and we would get together and we would sing that stuff with our teacher and it was an interesting introduction (laughs) to music looking back on it yeah so I did that um yeah and around I guess it was a little bit later It was when I was in the third grade that they started noticing, my parents and my teachers started noticing that I, like, really couldn't spell, and I was having a little bit of trouble in the classroom, and that is when they found out that I am hearing impaired. Wow. Yeah, no one had, no one had really noticed before, because I'd never had a speech impediment. Um, Fascinating. But... I think maybe that's why I learned how to sing before I learned how to speak, is because singing the words are longer and more enunciated. Huh. Okay, so I... But that's total speculation. I have no idea. Do you you remember what it was like, I mean, before... Before? Yeah. Um, I don't remember much, because I was like eight Mm -hmm. when they diagnosed me. I just remember hating spelling a lot. So why was it, it's, it, to me it's very fast because I would think, of having obviously no experience with this, but would think that spelling would be easier and speaking would be more difficult, but for you it was the opposite. So how did that work? Um, I guess it's just because I was having trouble like hearing all parts of the word. Okay, so like phonetic spelling right. was difficult. Okay. Yeah, so that was what tipped them off. Wow. Yeah, so eight years old, they're like, hey, you're actually hearing impaired. Don't know how we missed that. Um, <laughs> Parents doing doing the best that they can with what they know how to yeah. do. They appreciate all of you. Um, and it was funny because my mom ended up actually being hearing impaired also. Just somehow slipped through the cracks. Wow. Yeah, it's weird because um, my mom and I... And then later, when my sister was born, we all have a very similar audiogram. So it's definitely a hereditary thing for us. Is there anybody else in your family that has a history of this? Um, my aunt, maybe? I'm not entirely sure on that, to be honest. Okay. But definitely my mom, me, and my sister. Okay. So, as... First of all, how do you prefer to refer to it? Like... I call myself hearing impaired. Some people say hard of hearing. Okay. 
but I've always just said hearing impaired. Okay, so to describe you as an individual who's hearing impaired, is that the best way to say that? Yeah. Cool. Okay. So as an individual who's hearing impaired, like, what did you find that, I guess, you had uh, had more trouble hearing? Like, conversation? I'd have to, Well, if I'm not wearing my hearing aids, for instance, I probably won't hear much of what's happening behind me. Wow. Um... I might ask you to repeat things in conversation. Um, beginnings and ends of words get lost. Okay. Uh, whispers, obviously, hard to understand. Um, I have a mild to moderate hearing impairment, so it's basically all of those issues. Wow. And so is it is it stagnant, or it has it, like, gotten progressively worse as you've gotten older? It has not. Throughout my childhood, they would uh, test my hearing every year or so, uh-huh. just to make sure, and it stayed pretty much the same. Cool. So, so at you, least there's that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is really, really fascinating. Yeah. So, at eight years old, you get diagnosed uh, as hearing impaired, mm-hmm. and then the hearing aids come into the picture. Right. Yeah, so how does that... Well, <laughs> this, is an interesting, this is an interesting part of my story, uh, music-wise, actually, because um, obviously at that point, my parents had noticed my aptitude for music, and hmm. also this new diagnosis of hearing impairment, they were like, hearing aids are definitely the way to go. They decided with my doctor, which, you know, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you fix that problem. Um, so they were talking to my school that I attended at the time about two things. They wanted to know, because I was at a private school at the time, mm-hmm. and they wanted to know if I could participate in the public school system talented music program, um, which was an option, and they wanted to know like what accommodations they had to help me with my hearing impairedness. <laughs> um, so uh, the answers for both those questions, from what I remember and from what I've heard from my mom, were both pretty negative. Really? So the answer to the first question is, yes, that's an option. She could participate in the public school program for talented music, but we don't think that she has any musical talent. Wow. <laughs> and the second question was, uh, we can help your daughter with her hearing impairment, but we don't think it's a good idea for her to wear hearing aids because the other children might make fun of her. Okay. (laughs) Which is not what you expect or want to hear from a school. Not remotely. So my parents were like, um, we're out of here. Yeah. And they enrolled me in public school, which was the best thing they could have done, um, at that point in time. Uh, I got my hearing in I got my hearing aids, yeah. so that was good. Um, my first pair of hearing aids, because that was like years and years ago at this point, um, technology was not what it was. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of, um, like, I got a lot of background noise and stuff that I didn't need, and like, because it was just amplifying all sound instead of just the sounds that I was missing. Okay. So it was just across the board, everything was louder. Wow. So they helped, but I didn't love to wear them as a child. Anyway, I digress. No, no, no. <laughs> Actually, I have, I have a few questions. Yeah. Is, so I have several, so I'm trying to comb out which ones. 
first of all, starting with your, your school change. Mm-hmm. So you found that the private school did not accommodate your needs. We love that. <laughs> and by that, I mean we do not. And I'm sorry that that happened. That's sad. Um, so switching to public school with your hearing aids ended up being a better fit for you. Yes. Did you find that, did children pick on you for having hearing aids? Was that ever a problem? Um, not that I can remember, to be honest. That's great. Yeah. Fantastic. I don't think anyone really noticed. They're pretty discreet, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had no, I didn't notice. Yeah, unless you're sitting, you. like, directly behind me and I have my hair up, like, you yeah, can't really you're see looking. them. Yeah. Okay, so... There's that question, and then um, did you find, like, from a sensory perspective, was it just overwhelming, like, to have all of that white noise and everything amplified? Yeah, I didn't love the white noise. I went through a phase where I, like, refused to wear my hearing aids because I found the white white noise so aggravating. Yeah. But, um... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So what happened after that? Um, where did I leave off? Uh, public school, public school, hearing aids, hearing aids, talented music. Yeah, you weren't talented enough for there. Right. Well, I actually ended up getting into talented music. Yeah, um, <laughs> which was great for me because uh, that was my first like real introduction into like reading music. So that's okay. where I learned how to read music, and um, yeah, they taught us stuff like super basic like piano skills and. Um, super basic like composition skills like it was a mandatory thing that we had to compose and how old were you at this time uh fourth grade fourth grade yeah but it was like super basic it was like here is a block chord and you're going to write a melody using the notes that are in it but still way more than i was doing at her age (laughs) (laughs) so that was my uh first introduction into reading music and like really knowing how it works and um it was good because you got to like see other kids and their instruments and what they were doing and perform a little mm-hmm. in like a recital setting. So that was good. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Right. So I did that yeah. and uh, I left my uh, group training thing. <laughs> I don't really know what to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was around 11, I started taking lessons with a different teacher, like actual private lessons, singing like baby art songs and folk songs, like really starting the foundations of my classical training. Okay. Um, and I started like seriously, like my interest for classical music got serious at Hmm. like 13. Okay. And that's when I started like seriously pursuing classical singing. Wow, 13. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I spent a long time over the weekend, like, trying to figure out what was it that made me choose classical music over all the other types mm-hmm. of singing that there are. Yeah. And I honestly can't remember. Um, yeah, I just like it, I guess. Yeah, no, I that's totally fair. Th- I can't remember, like, any pivotal moment where I was like, yes, this is it. Mm-hmm. It just kind of was intuitively what you were supposed to do. Yeah. So, I think it was around then that I saw, like, my first, like, real professional opera, which was Madame Butterfly. Oh, wow. Which I saw at uh, 
New Orleans Opera. That's crazy. And it was great. I remember it being really cool. And I think that helped, like, solidify that direction. Like, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Middle school was good and important, apparently, because I learned a lot of things in music about myself and, like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I ended up going back to private school in seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And I stayed in the Talented Music program. I would leave school once a week and go and participate in that. (laughs) Speaking through it, I'm, like, getting all these random memories that I forgot about. But yeah. that was, uh, the first time I sang Handel's Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, like, the group project for this year was that we all learned Handel's Messiah, and we sang, like, portions of it. Crazy. How old were you when that happened? <sighs> 13, 14, question mark? Wow. I don't Amazing. know what these music teachers were thinking, but, like, it worked out, so... <laughs> It just, it's so funny to me, like, you and I are, like, the same age and relatively the same spot in life, but I was singing Cats in my bathroom. I actually, we have something in common oh, do with we? Cats. Oh, no way. Is, I was actually in a production of Cats <laughs> when I was 14 years old. Girl, I would have killed, I would have killed to be in your shoes. It was time. really fun, I'm not gonna lie. Who did you play? I was just a random cat. Did you, no, oh, okay, all the cats are named. Did you not have a name? I didn't have a name. I was what just a random background cat. They did it wrong then. That's <laughs> fine. You can make up your own name. But that's that's amazing. Anyway, it was Sorry. it was a lot of fun uh, for the first half of it. But then I somehow got mono, which I don't know how that happened. Because I didn't like, know about this. <laughs> okay. I don't know how it happened. I think I caught it from like a younger cousin. Okay. Who was in like in preschool and had like drank out of my cup at a family function. Wow. That's how we figure it happened, because there's, like, no other way. way. And, like, apparently small kids can be carriers for that kind of thing. I don't really know. Yeah. Anyway, so I was in Cats, and I had mono at the same time. Okay. So, (laughs) that was not the greatest. Did it spread? It didn't, because it's, like, spread through, like, Saliva, right? And you weren't making out with anybody right. at 14. No, that's <laughs> not who I was as a 14 year old. <laughs> Can relate. Can relate. <laughs> or now, to be honest. <laughs> um, okay. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, I remember the production being a lot of fun, and yeah. we have cats in common. That is amazing. That How about is that? <laughs> amazing. I don't even know if I talked about cats in the my first podcast. Maybe. I, I think you mentioned it. I probably mentioned it, but, I mean, let me just say, oh, this is almost, not even almost, it is embarrassing. I have fan fiction written <laughs> in my possession still. Like, it's how, it's somewhere in my, in my, like, archive documents because I want to remember creative 14-year-old Lizzie where she was in life, you know? I keep those embarrassing journal entries. I keep all that. But I was, like, literally, like, unhealthfully, probably diagnosably obsessed with cats <laughs> for, like, a whole year. But it's fine. We've grown since then. Anyway. It's pretty amazing. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, is, it, is it, though? It's... <laughs> but anyway, this is not about me, and I digress. I apologize. Anyway, <laughs> back to you, June. Um, right. So, seventh grade, I went back to private school. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the best situation for me. Uh, this might be way too much, like, oh, tragedy. If you're willing to share. <laughs> it's just, it wasn't going well. Just socially, academically. It was just not the place for me. Yeah. Um, 
and it got to the point where I was having a ton and ton a ton of anxiety and just other problems like lots of sensory issues I was doing terribly in school um I was like experiencing compulsions like I had to do certain things before I went to bed or before I left the house and I just could not function like a normal human being Mm. um and it got to the point where (laughs) I like I needed help Mm -hmm. so my parents took me to see a psychiatrist and at age 15 this was my freshman year of high school I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder and with obsessive compulsive disorder um, which makes so much sense Um, so yeah that changed my life in a big way it took a long time to like work through that Hmm. Um, I stopped singing for a while Wow. how long is a while if you don't mind me asking Mm, maybe like four or five months yeah not a terribly long time just a little while mm-hmm. so this is freshman in high school yes okay it was obviously something that affected me greatly mm-hmm. um it really taught me like mind over matter is such a real thing um thought what, work what does that mean for you mind over matter like you got to realize that like what's happening in your head is not always the reality of what is actually happening. So like, if I skip parts of a routine and I feel like I'm dying, I have to realize that it's not real. Like, it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big thing for me to realize. And um, I think that's helped me a lot just in life. Yeah. Like being able to separate reality from what I'm feeling. And Feelings are totally valid, but they'll lie to you. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Ooh, can we repeat that? <laughs> Feelings are valid, but they lie to you. Oh my gosh. I could go on a whole tangent about that. That's so good. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's important. As I, I mean, I just, I feel like everybody has experienced this to some degree, but it's like we don't, if feelings are not true, we either suppress them or we idolize them. And it's like, okay, it is totally fine for a feeling to exist. There's mm-hmm. a reason that it's there because of something. Yeah. So you don't have to cling to it as an absolute truth. Exactly. It's like, and and the you can hold those two things in tension. You can say, yeah, I legitimately feel raging mad right now. That doesn't mean you can go on a murder spree. Is that right. too dramatic to say? <laughs> We're gonna keep it. It's fine. <laughs> but like. You know, and I think that that's something in our culture that we've kind of lost. Yeah, definitely, I agree. Like, there's such a tendency nowadays to, like, be like, I'm upset, and that is the only thing that matters. Mm -hmm. And being upset is totally valid, and it's important because it means that something happened that was wrong. Yeah, even if Um, that thing wasn't a big deal. Or it was perceived as wrong. Yeah. But it's really helpful to, like take a second and be like is this an overreaction yeah and give yourself permission to overreact right just to, to know that you're but then be able to move on yes and know that your emotions 
do not get to drive the ship and they don't get to tell you what to do you tell them what to do definitely you know and so it's it's a very fine balance but it is it yeah that whole the whole message of like follow your heart that disney indoctrinated into us it's like the heart can make some mistakes and it definitely does it does (laughs) yeah and and we like our emotions are so powerful and they feel so real and so immersive but they they lie like yeah. they do they they can they it can feel so real and not be empty. it's much more productive to examine where that is coming from and what you do to fix it mm-hmm. than to just be like this is my knee jerk reaction and it is correct yeah and this th- because this is coming from me this means this is who I am because this is who I am then I'm going to act in accordance with how I feel versus versus <laughs> hold up these I'm, are my goals <laughs> yeah yeah and so okay so you have this experience and so far just to recap in case anybody's missed it so far we've had a diagnosis of hearing loss or, or hearing impediment at eight um, a contraction of mono <laughs> at some point, and then um, that was just sort of extra. Just, just thrown in there. Um, you know, you were cast in Cats, which fourteen-year-old me would have just cried from envy. And then, <laughs> and then, um, uh, diagnosed with both anxiety and OCD. As and we're we're in high school still. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of things. Um, wow. Lots of things going on with my head region. Okay. <laughs> Apparently. Cool. So, how how did first of all when did you start singing again? Why did you start singing again? And then how did you how did these new revelations about how your mind worked? Mm-hmm. How did that affect your singing and life in general? Like, how did you move on oh. from there? Well. First things first, I went back to public school. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went back to public school in the 10th grade, which, again, was better. I don't know why I switched back and forth so many times. My parents don't know why. It just seemed like the thing to do, I guess. Um, anyway, I don't really remember when I started singing again. I guess it was when I started to get a handle on my life again. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on a massive dosage of anxiety medication at the time, hmm. so that helped get things under control. Yeah. Um, and I went back just because I missed it. I missed yeah. singing, so started singing again, and um, it was good. I feel like I was more into it than ever. Hmm. I started <laughs> practicing every day, learning immense amounts of repertoire. Um, I knew for certain that that is what I wanted to do when I became an adult. Yeah. And I put a lot of work into it, I guess. I don't know. Cool. Um, yeah, so I... What was the other part of that question? I derailed. No, no, you didn't. Um, it, it, I was just, I was curious to see, like... Because, again, back to the whole idea of emotions and oh, yeah. how they affect our choices and, and our bodies and how they feel, like, all, all of it. People, you are a very interconnected being. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> your mind and your body and your soul, everything, like, I believe we are triune creatures. I really do. Yeah. Um, and every, you can't 
separate and, and I just have to say this because it drives me nuts because like, it's something that I learned to change my change my life it really did mm-hmm. but I was like you can't separate your body as an entity separate from your mind and Definitely. you can't treat your mind as an entity separate from your your will and you can't treat your will as a separate entity so just all all of these things are combined together that's why it's yeah, so important you've got to find a way to make it work yes and that's why it's so important to be kind to yourself like to your body not treating it like it's a car you drive mm-hmm. and rode to my um dwelling in my car and I definitely rammed into a curve it's <laughs> fine but I'm not very nice to my car but I can't treat my body the same way like I gotta be nice to her and like remind her hey you're loved and valued and appreciated and I'm getting off on a tangent mm-hmm. here but the reason why I bring all of this back is that you're taking medication it's obviously affecting your body physically because of things that are going on in your mind Mm-hmm. which is obviously affecting your emotions, which come into your singing. So how did all of that play together? Oh. <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> um, it affected me in a good way. Good. Because um, obviously I was such a wreck before mm-hmm. that I don't know how I was getting anything done. Um, but yeah, it settled me down a bit. It took years and years for my brain to completely follow. Um, but... As far as singing goes, just, like, not being as anxious and, like, riled up and just being able to, like, really notice what was happening in my body for Mm -hmm. once instead of, like, being in constant fight mode against my own self. Oh, my gosh. Um, So I think looking back, that changed things for me, for sure. Um, Also, maybe... I don't know. Singing has always brought me a lot of, like, peacefulness, like, Mm. physically and mentally, which is something I've been talking to with Dr. Kyle a lot this past year, is that if I can get to a place where I'm able to have my mind and my body still, that's when my singing is at its best. Yeah. So... Thankfully, Dr. Kyle is very much about physical stillness. (laughs) Ann and I were talking about this um, before we started recording, how... I, I got to a place this past Friday where I was so anxious for for a number of reasons. And I think everybody deals with anxiety. Yeah, anxiety is no respecter of persons. Yeah. Everybody has it. Um, but it, it just got to a point where I just could not, I could not physically sing and mentally could not receive what she was saying. And so God bless that lady. She just kindly sent me out of the room not not before checking in with me and making sure I was okay because you know we're humans and she treats us like humans we love that she's very good very good at yeah you're human (laughs) you're not you're not a larynx walking around (laughs) that's definitely appreciated yeah and so but but again like I had never experienced a voice teacher being like I love you enough to cut your lesson short yeah it's not like you're I'm mad at you get out you're wasting my time it's okay you can't be productive when you're that upset anyway yeah you really can't and like the hardest part for me was giving myself grace because I my next reaction was to be my next yeah impulse was to be angry at myself for allowing myself to get to that point like why did I why couldn't I have processed all this garbage before walking in here then we could have had a productive lesson this is my fault and she's like you've got to get rid of that narrative too because you're not in control of that Gladys sorry it doesn't happen that way (laughs) whatever yeah um but anyway um, anyway 
So, uh, being able to be still and not anxious, obviously, yeah. uh, furthered my progress. Yeah. Um, and did you find that within this past year, or just in, in your in your life just journey? Just an overarching thing of my entire life, I guess. <laughs> um, it's obviously something I've always struggled with and always will struggle with, but um, knowing... I learn more about myself and about those struggles every day, mm-hmm. and so I become better at overcoming that which is the goal. Hey, everybody. So we decided again, um, same as last time, to divide this conversation into two parts. So stay tuned for part two of my conversation with Anne. Um, If you've made it this far, I would also like to say that um, (laughs) a couple of things have happened since we recorded this. First of all, this recording took place almost two weeks ago. Since then, we've had a hurricane and I'm in tech rehearsal for Daddy Longlegs at the University of Mobile. So a lot's been going on. It's been pretty crazy, but I'm excited to keep on trucking and get back on schedule with uploading these podcasts. So part two is on its way and I'll see y'all later. Thank you so much for tuning in. (laughs) 